We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Here's one from John A1. John says, Oklahoma drill scenario. You have to pick a play. Uh, you have to pick to play linebacker or running back. First rep, Charles Jagasaw versus Justin Scott. Second rep, Blake Fisher versus Riley Mills. Third rep, Billy Shroud versus Tyson Ford. You have, I have to pick to play linebacker or running back? Okay. Wait, are, are, wait am I picking w- which one plays linebacker and which one plays no, running no, no. back? Which one would, would I think you have to be? Oh, if it's in that matchup, which one would would you rather be the linebacker oh, making a play, play behind against? Justin Scott or the running back making a play behind Charles Jagasaw? Gotcha. If I were to make a if I were to go with that first one, I would rather be the running back. If I were on the second one, hmm, I think I'd rather be the linebacker. And on the third one, I'd rather be the running back. That would be my pick. So first one, I would rather be. I'd rather be the running back as well. I'd rather go against Justin Scott and Charles Jagasaw personally, just my opinion. Uh, second rep. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's not fun. Um, I would rather be the running back on number two as well. Actually, no, I would rather be linebacker on number two, and I would rather go against Riley Mills. Riley Mills would have to block me, or would mm-hmm. I be the running back? I mean, third rep, Billy Stroud or Tyson Ford. I would rather be the running back against Tyson Ford than the linebacker against Billy Shrouth. There we are. By the way, the movie that I could not remember, Ryan, was called Devotion is the name of it. it, it that that was the name of it. Somebody just put that in the chat. But I could not for the line. I kept wanting to say Deliverance. But I'm like, nope, it ain't that. <laughs> That's a much different type of movie than, than the one I'm thinking of. So I knew it was something with a D. But yeah, Devotion is the name of that movie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, here's an interesting one, right? John says, which group has the biggest impact on the 2023 Notre Dame team, the defensive line or the wide receivers? Well, I don't know who will. I will say this. I hope that the defensive line has the bigger impact. I And, and, and we discussed this a little bit yesterday, John. You can win a title without having a great dominant receiving core. Georgia just did it twice. You know, uh, Alabama had a couple teams that were really good that didn't have elite, in my opinion, elite receivers. You can't win a title, in my opinion, without a really good defensive line. And so the only way that I would say I'd be okay with the receivers being more impactful is if they're just the best receiving core in the country and the D-line's close behind, but the receivers are just that good. I don't see that happening. I I I think it's got to be the it's got to be the 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 defensive line. I that other than quarterback and maybe offense. I mean, it's the most position important position on the defense to to be good this year, in my opinion. They they, they need that group to be really good. It's probably opinion. unfair, but I actually I feel more optimistic about the wide receivers than the defensive line right now. So in that instance, I would also go with the defensive really? line. One, yeah, a little bit, yeah. Okay, bit. I don't interesting. Know why. I don't. I, don't I actually like the defense. I'm excited about the defensive line this year. I I'm really excited am. about it. I just feel like yeah. I'm a little more excited about the wide receivers. I don't know if that's just what I saw in the spring or the blue gold game. I don't. I don't know. But I, I think well, the you're just watching out there watching really Jaden Greathouse going off, and you got all fired up because that's your Man. that's your dude. You and you and uh, Salty. You know what I mean? Oh, salty is living the dream yeah. when he saw the oh, great absolutely. one with 11 catches absolutely. for 118 yards. Man. <laughs> yeah, but which group will have the biggest impact? I mean, I I really don't know. I mean, I don't know who it will. Well, do you at least agree with my sentiment that it needs to be the defensive line? Yes. Yes. Because that's the way I answered the question. I don't know who it's going to be. I, I But I, I hope it's the defensive line because – and it's not because of the receivers. But, like, Ryan, I mean, look, Alabama won a national title in 2011 when their leading receiver was Marquise Mays and their second leading receiver was Brad Smelly. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, you don't oh, necessarily need – Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you don't necessarily need an elite guy. You know, like Calvin, you know, 2016, they played for a title and their leading receivers are Darius Stewart. You know, they had Calvin Ridley on that team, but he Calvin Ridley was not a dominant college player, in my opinion. He was a good college player. He wasn't a dominant college player. He wasn't like what Jerry Judy was in 18, 
for or Amari Cooper that one year. Right. Devontae yeah. Smith. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know, he had one year of barely a thousand yards. Amari Cooper the year before had 124 catches and over 1700 yards. It was just a different animal. Uh, he you was, know, he was on Amari Cooper was unreal that year. Man. Yeah. He was, he was really good. <laughs> really good. So it's, but one consistently, they always had great front sevens back then. I mean, that was the, that was the deal. And now recently they've had brilliant receiving cores almost every year. They're not winning as many titles. Why? Cause they haven't been as good on defense. I still think you have to be able to, even in this era where you got to be able to score, you got to be able to make stops. I mean, offense yeah. wins championships now, but it's, it's your defense has to be good enough to make stops. But where the key here, however, is you've got to get to the playoff first. And that's where the great defense comes into play. And I've said it before defense will get you to the show to win it. You got to be able to score. I mean, that's just, that's what college football has become, in my opinion. All right. Next question. I, I didn't think I would hear Brad Smelly's name on a podcast anytime soon. I know. Right? So that's what's Seriously. up. That's what's up. <laughs> yep. What are we doing here? Give me a flipping break. Says, rank the different racing options for viewing entertainment is either in person kind of or on TV. Different way of and of asking the previous question. I guess so. So he wants yeah. to know how you would rank these difference of either in person or on TV. I mean, I, I've only ever, I've never watched Formula One, so I can't answer that one. Uh, yeah. IndyCar, I've already said, would be my one. NASCAR B2, and I have zero desire to have to watch horse racing. I don't like horse racing. I don't like the premise of horse racing. It's just not my thing. So um, I've heard the Kentucky Derby's a good time, but I'm just not a fan of horse racing. It's just just not my thing. I, it's not like some like, oh, it's inhumane. I, I don't know how horses are treated. I have no idea. I would love to be able to ride a horse. It's just, it's like you got these little dudes that are just like on top of a horse. The horse is doing all the work. I, You know, it's like, What's the skill there? I don't understand it. So I just really don't care about it's about breeding and training. That's what it's really comes down to. And it just doesn't interest me at all. So um yeah, it's not even on my list. Indy's the only one that I really have any experience with. So I'm gonna go with I that. Guess, I guess NASCAR by default. We'll just leave it at that, I guess. I don't know. What as number two? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. Stevie Wonder says CJ's guard CJ CJ's car. CJ Carr's, Carr's game is tailored game the is Elite tailored. 11. How do you think he will finish? <laughs> I think he will do really well at the Elite 11 because like you said, Stevie, I think that he is very good inside of structure. I think he'll go through his reads, and I think that he will work really well from the pocket. So I think CJ will be very good in Elite 11 um, set, sex, segments. Yeah, this is you're, you're correct. I mean, I would imagine he'll finish in the top two or three if it's done based off the performance. I'll be surprised if CJ doesn't tear that up. I, I will. I mean, yeah, I'd be very surprised if he's not great at that. He's he's built for that, right? Like the seven on seven yeah. game and mm-hmm. all that, right? Yeah. Yeah. John absolutely. Leahy says, what road game outside of Clemson will have the best atmosphere? Let me pull up the schedule again. I'm going NC State. I think that's going to be a great atmosphere because you've got NC State, you've got Duke, you've got Louisville, you have uh, Stanford and Clemson. And Clemson's out. Of those, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be. NC State's have got a pretty d- decent, fan, pretty good fan base. Duke's small stadium. Louisville, maybe. Louisville, maybe. We'll see what their record is at that time. Stanford's going to be horrible, uh, absolutely horrible environment. Be mostly more Notre Dame fans there probably than Stanford fans. Yeah, I'm going. It's kind of an easy one for me. I'm going to NC State. I think that's going to be a. 
it's early in the year. Expectations are going to be high. They're probably going to be what one and no at that point in time. I'm going to NC State. You got a different I don't know, one, Ryan. I don't know enough about Duke fans, but I wonder if like if Duke's undefeated going into that football game, if Notre Dame's coming off an Ohio State victory, if there would be like oh, we're going to get up for that game, you know, like that's yeah. insane. The, you know, they'll probably Mac get up Elko, for it. Blah, blah, yeah, blah. I don't know. They'll probably get up for it, but I just don't know if it's an environment that's going to be super crazy. I mean, it's just not a it's just not a strong it's just not a strong fan base, and I believe. Uh, I, I could be wrong on this, but I believe it's a much smaller stadium too. Yeah, it's it's got almost twenty thousand fewer people there than NC State's. NC State's is almost fifty eight thousand. Duke's is a forty. So that oh, really? I mean, it, yeah. So that's the other part of it too. And NC State has a been in that stadium before. It's a it's a very it's like a old school like like the old bowl games, like the high the high rise on the side, and it's like open on one end, I believe. So I'll go NC State on that one. But I think the game could be bigger against Duke, Ryan, to your point. It's yeah. just which stadium environment will be better. That's a good question. What is Duke's schedule before they um, before they played Notre Dame in 23 this year? I'm curious about that. But they have a couple tough games. Let me, let me see here. So Duke plays Clemson in the opener. Oh, wow. Okay. Hey, uh, if they can win. If Oof. yeah, if they can win that game, they got a shot to be undefeated when they do play Notre Dame. They they play Clemson at home. They play Lafayette. Uh, they play Clemson on a Monday, then they play Lafayette is, that Friday. Is that Louisiana Lafayette or is that the no, FCS Lafayette? Lafayette. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the one in the was it the Patriot League? The one yes, the league, the rival of Lehigh. Yeah, that Lafayette. Yes. Uh, the Leopards. Then they play Northwestern at home. Then they're at UConn before they play Notre Dame. So. Yeah, that'll that'll be an interesting one. But uh, F- funny if, enough, I went on a uh, recruiting trip to Lafayette, oh, yeah. in Pennsylvania, before. So yeah, I never went on a recruiting trip there, but I've been I've been there because when I was at Muhlenberg, Muhlenberg is very close to Lehigh and Lafayette, and our head coach knew their coaches really well, so we would go over there and um and the head it's, coach it's of Lehigh, cool, man, like that big hill that it's on yeah. and everything, you have to go up. It's kind of it's neat. really pretty country. It is really yeah. pretty country. And Lehigh's head coach at the time is the cat that is the I'm drawing a blank on the name. The cat that's the special teams coordinator of South Carolina now. I'm completely drawing a blank Lambo? on his name. Lambo? Pete Lambo. Yeah. Yeah. He was the head coach of Ball State. Yeah, he was the head coach there. I'm trying I can't remember the name of the Lehigh, the Lafayette coach. I think he retired. But um I don't even remember, remember who it was name. when I visited yeah. there. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. But uh, very good academics there. Very good academics yes. here, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, it was a little bit, uh, a little above my uh, education grade, but you know, <laughs> we did our, we did all right. <laughs> there you go, there you go. <laughs> Tommy Goods, Crocs and Glocks, what's up, Tommy? More mailbag, fellas. What is your favorite game app on your phone that you play when doing things like waiting for the wife while she's shopping and whatnot? I don't. Okay, so can I cheat a little bit, Tommy? I don't have any apps on my phone that I play. Uh, what I what I I do play apps on my iPad though, just because I'm old and I, I just apps on my phone are too small. I just I can't read them. But on my phone, there's actually a couple, or on my iPad, there's actually a couple games that I'll play when I'm bored or when I'm in my other office. If you catch my drift, um, but I the Transformers is one. That's one that I'll play. There's a Transformers game. Uh, Risk is another one. You can actually play Risk on there. It's not as cool as the old computer game Risk. Uh, and then the other one, I found a game called um, it's called Tap Nations. And it's like a world domination game that's not a lot to it, but it just it's time consuming. So, you know, 
and it, it, those are really the ones that I that I'll play a little bit. Now my other I, my other iPad has like a couple baseball games on it, like Home Run Derby and another one, but they're kind of boring, so I don't play them a, a bunch. To be honest with you, I I, I have uh, Taps Baseball on my phone. Okay. that I play once in a blue moon. I mean, it's it's yeah. just like a little. F- is that the one where you just, they pitch it and you can you can like yes. uh, yeah I think I have that one too I know what you're talking yeah. about like you don't ever you don't you're never on defense you only hit yes you only right? hit yeah you only hit. okay yep. yeah I've played that one before and it's very easy it's very yeah easy. I love I've it. even just... tried le- up in the level difficulty but like you know you'll play and win like seventy to two it's like okay this is just you know, <laughs> yes. come on yes. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're bat like all your guys are batting like five fifty. I know, like, right? Like home runs. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's like could you make this a little bit a little bit tougher, please? Yeah. We had a question from Tatted Up Irishman. Could you see any scenario where Tyler Buckner returns to Notre Dame in twenty twenty four? Would he be welcomed? I highly doubt both of those. Yes. I mean, not that they dislike him, but like, bro, you left. You know, if things didn't work out for you, you don't get to come come back here. You know, I just I would be surprised by that one. I'd be very surprised by that one. Nor nor do I think it would make sense for Notre Dame. Look, bro, you had your chance to stay. You know, you left. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't think it would make sense for either side at that point, to be honest. Like it would just yeah. be very clunky situation. Cause if you're coming back to Notre Dame also, Brian, that means that Things didn't go very well at Alabama that one year. So you also right. missed a year of development potentially. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Right. Yeah, I just – I don't see that one. I don't see that one. We have a next question from Wick 13 What changed with Christian Gray to bring him back into the fold? It seemed like that was a decade ago already. It does. It really does. Just the the newness wore off. The um, – the the glitz and the glamour wore off and Christian got back to what he really cared about. And the things that he cared about were Notre Dame things, you know, look, the DBU thing mattered. Cause who, who, who's the debate of the modern DBU between it's between LSU and Ohio state. Like, yes. you know, not, not, you know, if we're talking all time, Miami's in there. I we're talk about just DBU is more of a recent thing, right? It's LSU and Ohio State. I mean, that's that's who the conversation is. And so that intrigued him. And then, of course, his former high school head coach got hired at LSU. That had a role in it as well. But Notre Dame just stayed consistent, just stayed steady, just kept the message that they didn't panic. They didn't do anything that to get themselves in trouble. They just stayed steady. And I remember being told this is like he's a Notre Dame kid. He just doesn't know it yet. And that's and they just kept on it and kept reminding him of that. And ultimately, he, that's the school that that made the most sense for him. But there, when you're a DB and, and Miami or LSU and, and Ohio State are coming after you, and your head coach just got hired at LSU, that's going to matter. Yeah, you know that's why you stay in the fight. You can be consistent with your message. You keep building the relationship. You make him a priority. You don't overreact and panic, and you stay the course. And they did that with Christian, and it worked out great. And they ended up getting him in the class. Yep. So, yeah, it made a lot of sense. Sure did. Luckily, Notre Dame has him and his family, yeah. which are tremendous. He's people. very good. Yeah. Yes. His, uh, so, did I tell you I got a chance to meet his mom finally face-to-face yes. at the spring game? That was really yep. cool. Yeah, that's very awesome. cool. Got a big old hug. That was that was cool. That's so awesome. I got to meet a lot of moms and dads that game, so that was interesting. We had a so question most from- were happy. Most were cool. Some weren't necessarily happy. <laughs> <laughs> As long as it's respectful on the night. No, they were great. I mean, yeah, they were. There was a mom and dad that that thought I was a little too hard on their kid, but they were totally cool about it. They were really nice. Uh, That's great. 
Yeah, very nice. The dad's not someone who I would necessarily want to be, be on the bad side of. You know who I'm talking about. There's too. a few of that, man. There's yeah. a few of those yeah. guys in the, in the, the yeah. Notre Dame dad club, like, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Some big dudes. Yeah. Yes, there are. Uh, and there's yeah. a question here from Douglas Road Roundabouts. says, do you think Kenny Minchie will overtake Steve Angeli's the backup quarterback? If so, when? By first game, midseason, et cetera. I honestly don't have a clue. Can he do it? Absolutely. Do 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 I think he will? At some point, eventually, I think so. But look, Kenny, I, I don't I don't know enough about Kenny's work ethic yet to know that he'll do it. Because the one thing about Steve is Steve is going to work. And I'm not saying Kenny Minchie won't work. I'm just saying I don't know enough about it yet. He hasn't been through a summer workout program. He's been through spring. He developed. He did some nice things. Tim said yesterday on the show that he had heard that Kenny had a really good uh, scrimmage the 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 week before the blue gold game didn't play well in the blue gold game but i didn't think steve played that well either i mean they they, nah, they were both, both kind of running for their lives a little bit and yeah. the pass rush or the pass protection wasn't great he's a more talented kid than steve in my opinion um but that doesn't always mean you're the better quarterback yep. so that's kind of what he's got to figure out i don't i don't know shall see so uh Antoine Johnson said, not defensive back for Ohio State, at least not recently. I mean, what recently are we talking about? I mean, in 2015, they had like four starters that were all like first or second round draft picks. I mean, you know, Jeffrey Okuda was a number four overall draft pick, what, three, four years ago? Right. I mean, so it was a high draft yeah, pick. Yeah. I mean, so like, yeah. the last Denzel couple years. Stud, right. Yeah. I mean, the last, that's right. Denzel Ward was another, wasn't he a top five pick as well? Top 10, at least, maybe top yeah. five. Might be right. So, yeah. I mean, if you're going to say the last couple years, maybe, but I mean, you'd, I mean, it does, it's not that long ago, 2020. Uh, Jeff Rakuta is the number three overall pick, and Damon Arnett goes in the first round. They shouldn't have, but he did. Should not have. Yeah. That was uh, such a two, Raiders pick. Yeah. It was <laughs> such a dumb pick. Uh, 2018, Jeffrey Okuda or uh, Denzel Ward was the number four overall pick. In that yeah, he's draft. a stud, man. 2017, Marshawn Latimer, Malik Hooker, Jerry and Conley all went in the first round. Uh, 2016, Eli Apple's a first-round pick, and Von Bell was a second-round pick. So, yeah, in the last couple of years, they haven't produced as many. But who else – I mean, who would you say is ahead of them? I mean, you can maybe argue Alabama, but I don't – I don't. I wouldn't go there. Antoine, Antoine, also, just look at the mock dress, man. Denzel Denzel Burke is going first round next year, man. Just watch. This is what drives me nuts about Ryan, because he lays on the sarcasm with a very serious look on his face. Uh, Come on, man. Yes, Have you that, not that seen is, Denzel yeah. Burke, future first round pick Denzel Burke? Have you not seen him, Antoine? Yeah. Let's be serious, man. I yeah. say full sarcasm. No sarcasm intended yes. at all. He's a stud. Yes. You're even being sarcastic when you're saying no sarcasm, and I don't, I don't like no it. sarcasm, man. He's yes. an absolute stud, best corner in college football probably right now. Okay, stop so saying not sarcasm when you're clearly being sarcastic. Oh. All right, here's the next one. Tim Bates at hot take: Justin Scott and Elijah rushing to Notre Dame with Carr, CJ Carr, and Cam Williams, and that would be four or five stars in the class, not too shabby. I'll take it. I mean, that's definitely I'm a hot sure. take. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to say, like, oh, you're nuts, you're wrong. I mean, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. We'll see. I hope you're right. Very Unlikely, but I yes, if that happens, I will be very, yeah. very happy to say yeah. the least. Yeah, absolutely. Wrapped it off. Says, is it just me? But I'm concerned about opening up with Navy. 
I feel preparing for the option in training camp so early may hurt the development of the defense when we face traditional offenses. I actually like that we get it out of the way. Yeah, let me. Th- I don't. I don't love playing Navy first, um, but it's just more. It's for reasons. I mean, it's, it's just personal preference. Uh, I'll say this, Rob, because Notre Dame always spends several days in fall camp on the triple option anyway. So you're really only adding an extra three or four days of of triple option practice, to be honest with you, because game week's gonna was gonna be about whatever anyway. So it's not like Notre Dame is gonna spend half a fall camp working on the triple option. They're not. I mean, that's just not how it works. So I I understand where you're coming from, Rob. I just don't think they're gonna spend as much time on it as maybe you do. And I think there are some things that you can that you can work on to me that can be beneficial to you from a development standpoint, Ryan, which is you got to really work on assignment correctness. You've got to work yes. on block destruction. You got to work on, you know, keeping guys, you know, there's a, you know, really locking in on your keys in the pass game, you know, because Angles. they may yeah. only throw on you five times, but those five times could get completed twice for 90 yards. You know what I mean? Like I mean, we saw it last year. There was one yeah. big play against who was it? Cam Hart. I think it was yeah. on the one. Maybe. Where he just, he got sucked in. He was looking, yeah. you know, peeking in the backfield and guy ran by him, you know, and, yeah. and, so the level of discipline that you have to have when when playing against that team, there are benefits to that, even though some of the techniques and the alignments aren't going to be the same. Uh, so I understand where you're coming from. I just don't think it hurts them. And yeah. I, 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 I'm more sympathetic to the argument that it's good to play them early than I am to the argument that it's bad to play them this early. I, yeah. I think if I had to pick between the two, it's good to get it out of the way. I just would rather play it like later in the year when you've got to buy afterwards i I also like the fact that it's not like you're rolling from navy into ohio state right you're going from navy Mm -hmm. to tennessee state right then you have nc state then you have central michigan like you have time to recover from the triple option hangover to begin the year like you have here's the reason why i don't like playing them in the opener i don't disagree with any of the reasons that you're gonna get it out of the way I, i get all that yep my problem is i feel like when you have two and this is also why i hate having a bye week before you play navy I think the mistake defensive coordinators make when they have more time to prepare for Navy is they put too much in. And I just feel like make it simple, right? You have three, four different options. You go with it. It's about discipline. It's about your dudes are better than their dudes. Your guys got to know what they're doing. You can't just have like one or two calls. You can't do that. But I feel like have a good week of preparation. Be really sound with your technique. Uh, have some checks and calls based on what they do and then just go play and just be fast and physical and force them to declare, force them to get the balls out quickly, things like that. Take the fullback out of the game. That I mean, where sometimes you see when they have like too much time to prepare, they try to get cute and yes. that's how you get in trouble. And with against a triple is when you try to get cute. Like I would, if I had two weeks to prepare, I would have those three or four checks and calls, the stuff I said, Ryan, and then I would just perfect it as best I can. Instead just of putting in a bunch of different stuff in, get your assignment yeah. done, baby, and move on. That's all it yeah. is, man. Like it's not going to be ever yep. be pretty, but uh, inside linebackers, you have dive. Defensive tackles, yeah. you have dive. Defensive ends, you have quarterback at all yep. times. You know, safeties to corners, quarterback to pitch. You know, like it's just responsibilities are so big as a triple option, man. Yep. Don't overcomplicate that. Like at the core, yeah. you're right, Brian. You can't do the same thing over and over again. But no. at the core, though. You have to be assignment sound against a triple option, and you just got to shut down the assignment. That's just all it comes down to. Yep. All right. Here we go. Jason says, assuming that we land Sean Civilano, 
what would be your best plan B for potentially losing out with rushing and Justin Scott, anyone on the board? I know you just um, put a, a piece out on this, Brian. Yeah, so. not really. I mean, look, if it they're they're they'd be willing to stop at four. I don't agree with that. I, I would I'd recruit Malachi Williams no matter what. I mean, I'm taking the next of him or Elijah that wants to come. I just yes. I don't know that the staff feels the same way. I think they're going to focus on those two guys. Uh, uh, assuming you get Sean Savignano, you're going to focus on those two guys. Take one or both if you can. Prefer, you know, hopefully get at least one and then focus on 25. That's what I think their plan is. I don't necessarily agree with it because I, like I said, I, I, I think Malachi Williams is a guy you recruit, you keep recruiting. And kid's a stud, him. man. He's a stud. Yep. Yeah. Here's a two part question, Ryan, from Saturdays are for doing laundry. <laughs> are okay. they? Okay. Uh, howdy, fellas. Hi. Is the Notre Dame degree as one part of your recruiting pitch becoming a moot point with the top prospects now in the NIL era? I can see other schools driving the points that players can take the easier route where they can focus on football. And if that doesn't work out, they'll have the NIL money to pay for the tuition of any school. I'm going to say a couple things here. Number one, I think fans have a very misguided view of how, of number one, how much money most of these kids are getting in NIL. I think there's just thought that like hundred kids are getting like millions of dollars. They're not. Yeah. Uh, number one, number two, I think there's this misguided view that because you would maybe take, you know, like somebody says, well, how, how do you turn down that kind of money? Well, people do it all the time. You know what I mean? Like not everyone views maximizing my dollar amount now as the only priority. And even though this may not make sense in any other way, I'm getting paid. So not everybody thinks that way. And a lot of these kids are smart enough to know, and they're being told this by NFL players and other guys, hey, man, go where you're going to have the best chance to be doing the NFL first and foremost. And if a school offering you the most money won't do that, don't do it. Now, some kids are yeah. still going to do that. Jaden Rashada literally made his cause decision off of who was going to give him the most money. Very short-sighted. Most kids aren't that way because they okay. understand that the big money is going to happen by getting the NFL. Well, right. can, can I give you an example, Brian? Is I yeah. I just recorded Carson's Corner for next week with Carson Hobbs, and he actually we we talked a little bit about the NIL thing, and he said that the pool for Notre Dame is that the generational wealth that you are going to get from yeah. playing in the NFL or from the degree of Notre Dame was a whole lot or more both. important for him for some than what the both. handoff from what the handout right. is to begin. And I he right. basically said that he thinks that some people are too involved in that. I mean, so yes, right. to your point. Some kids do believe that because literally I just talked to someone that believes that hundred percent. So you, you and I both know of a kid that's in Notre Dame's 23 class that turned down a seven figure deal. It was over a couple years, but it was like, but that's what most of these deals are. Yeah. The kid's getting an $8 million deal. He's not getting $8 million a year. He's getting $8 yeah. million over a period of time. And a lot over of those deals are years. not. And here's the other thing too, you don't have to understand this group of recruits in 24 are hearing all the horror stories from the 22 and 23 kids sure. about what they were promised and aren't getting. And it's only going to get worse. Shot as, a thing and, right. Yeah. Well, not right. even just that, Ryan, but kids that are going to school and not getting the money that they're being promised. It, it, you know, and so you're, that's part partly why you're seeing some kids leave too. People say, like, why'd this kid leave? Well, it may be a situation where that kid was promised money and, and he didn't get it. I, I also think most of these kids that Notre Dame is going to be recruiting – if a kid is that short-sighted, you weren't going to get him anyway. There was going to be some other reason he was going to go somewhere else. 
the vast majority of kids are not as short-sighted as you're saying. And the other part of it too is that would be a horrible recruiting pitch for other schools. Hey man, come here and don't worry about school. You'll get a chance to go back and get your degree somewhere else. Like the vast majority of kids are going to be like, hold on a second. Like, that's all I am to you. I'm just a, I'm just a guy you're going to come use up. And if it doesn't work out, I can go somewhere else to get my degree because you're going to give me right. millions of dollars. First of all, I don't know that you're going to give me that money. Second of all, if a kid's if a kid gets a million dollar offer, if somebody says, "Hey, this kid got a million dollar deal," most likely what that was, Ryan, is he got a two, four years at two hundred fifty thousand a year deal. That's what he got. That's not generational wealth, folks. It's not. That's a small signing bonus for a first or second round draft pick. You know what I mean? Uh, so that's just not how most kids view it. It's uh, a horrible recruiting pitch from the other schools. The Notre Dame degree part will never fade as long as the Notre Dame degree still has value. And the kids that care about academics, it will still be a selling point for them. It will not be the ultimate decision maker in a lot of instances because the football piece has to make sense too. And I totally get that. Like as great of a a degree of of a school that Notre Dame is, they're not not elite in every degree program. So there are certain tracks that you may want to do in school where you're going to say, you know what? Uh, Notre Dame is a phenomenal school, but I'm going to go to this smaller school because this particular track of what I want to study happens to be considered better there or makes more sense because the state that I want to live in tends to hire from the in-state schools for this teacher program than they would if I went and got a degree from Notre Dame. Yeah, Who knows? I mean, so you, you always have to factor in those type of things. And these kids are football players, and that's basically their major. And that doesn't mean they they don't care about degrees and all that, but they're cho- when I say major, it's their chosen profession is to be athletes. They're going to still look at the, the, the top kids are still going to look at a place that can develop them. And that's what we've said all along. If Notre Dame starts winning and developing first round draft, first and second round draft picks at a higher level, that will be the thing that will get these kids to start coming because I do think they value the degree part. But as Marcus Freeman has said, you can't just be one of three in those three big areas, academic, you know, education, NFL championships. Can't just be one in three of those. You got to be three for three if you're going to get the majority of the top players in the country. Start doing that, and all of a sudden you're going to find yourself winning a lot more games. Check boxes, baby. Check boxes. Speaking of that, I, I think this is perfect timing into this segue, segueing into this question, Ryan. Benjamin Carty says, we talk about the effect of Notre Dame as a program if they win the title. I want to get your thoughts on college football as a whole if Notre Dame wins the title. Well, I think the only thing that changes – first of all, we've talked about Notre Dame, uh, as, as he said. I, I don't think a lot changes for college football other than there's a new big dog you've got to negatively recruit against or you have to be prepared to handle. It, it's no different than if all of a sudden Florida State becomes a power again or USC becomes a power again or Texas becomes a power again. Miami, it doesn't change anything for yeah. you other than now this is the school I have to worry about. There's a new target out there. Yeah, like what, what I don't here. think, like what what I don't think will happen is you won't see all these coaches in school say, you know what, we should make sure our kids are going to class too. We should make sure that we're getting. No, what they'll do is we need to sell that better, even though we don't really care. You yeah. know what I mean? We need to at least sell the pitch of academics because Notre Dame is going to kill us with this now that they're winning championships, right? So now it becomes. So the recruiting pitches change, even if the schools foundationally don't change. The recruiting pitch would change. But that's all just because, hey, that's the that's the new big dog on the block, and we've got to worry about them now. So it's no different than when any other school gets good for the rest of college football. I think it's obviously huge for Notre Dame. 
it's 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 a statement that hey you can win doing it the right way but most people don't care about that there's a lot of Notre Dame fans that don't care about that I just had this conversation with somebody yesterday somebody that I've had a lot of conversation with and he's like you know Notre Dame needs to be cutting players and doing all this stuff because that's the way it is now I'm like so I was like there's a lot of things that you could say are now socially acceptable that are still freaking wrong yeah. and shouldn't be things that you should do just because it's socially acceptable doesn't mean it's right for you to do. If you're someone who has a moral compass, it's same thing here. Like I, I, I don't care if that means it's easier to win. I'd rather not win that way. Yeah. I'd rather win, win the right way. And if Notre Dame goes out there and wins two of the next three titles, you're not going to see all of a sudden a bunch of coaches saying, you know what? We should, we should not cheat anymore. We should not. No, they're not going to do that. They say, well, we got to cheat against Notre Dame now. That's the team we got to cheat against to beat now. That's all that's going to change. It's not going to yep. change anything else. As far I, as I think it's, college football as a whole. I think especially when it's – because it's Notre Dame. It's still a big brand, right? It's not like I'm – if you would have said something different, Benjamin, like a random team that has never been a national power or a blue blood is like all of a sudden – I think that might change the formula a little bit because then you're like, oh, maybe teams are kind of rethinking how to become that next team, right? So if like Minnesota was a team that's all of a sudden they're like one of the best teams in college football, it's like, well, how'd that happen? Like that's crazy. Like it, that's a little bit different, but – a Notre Dame, a Miami, a Florida State, like those types of teams, they've been here before. It's like right. you could just kind of phrase it as cyclical at that point, you know? Right. Like, so I, I just think that is if it's a team, especially that has just kind of been there in the past, it doesn't really change anything because they've had the formula in the past. It just hasn't happened in X amount of years for whatever right. reason. Right. All right. Here we go. Bailey Brad says, why do you think Notre Dame is recruiting so much better at defensive end and defensive tackle this cycle? Will it become a trend or just a one-off? It's a great question. I, I, I think there's a couple factors in it. I, I think I think edge is a little better than interior defensive line. Yeah, in and it's, it's that way in most years, Ryan. Yeah. I mean, if we're being honest, a lot of the I, – I don't know that I could explain to you the reasons why, but – NFL draft wise, there just haven't been a lot of great interior defensive line classes in recent years. I don't know if it's because teams are now taking the former 6'3, 320 pounders and turning them into offensive linemen now. I don't know the answer to that. I really don't. It's just deeper. I think that the, the ge- geography aspect of it matters a little bit. You know, a lot of the best players are from certain regions and things like that that Nerding doesn't have a ton of success with. But then you can say, well, so are the defensive ends, but there's so much more, so many more of them. That a Cole Mullins gets, uh, uh, you know, overlooked in Georgia. Logan Thomas gets a little bit overlooked in Texas, and you know you're able to find some more of those guys. But I, and I also think too, part of it is is you just you're a little be, you're a little benefit. It's been a benefit to you that some of the guys that are in this class are like a Logan Thomas, and from a personality standpoint, that he's more he's more prone to the type of message that works for Notre Dame. Cole Mullins is more prone to that message, and then of course you had a legacy. Uh, the son of a legacy or, you know, a legacy recruit in Bryce Young. So I, I think those are reasons for it. Um, yeah, I mean, just more players to choose from and just better fits, in my opinion. So, so, sometimes things are just random too, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's just like that just didn't work out that for whatever reason. Yeah. <laughs> it just it is what it is. I mean, yeah. it could be a different year. It could be a different coach. It could be – it's just a yeah. lot of different factors, I think, Bailey Brad. Yep. All right. 
Another question from Tyler. Misguided passion binge. So one of the best uh, nicknames there. Is there a ceiling difference between a three-star and a five-star? I think most assume a, a three-star and a five-star, the ceiling and the floor will always be different. There Benson can be. About, I mean, yeah, there about. can be. There there are some three-stars that you're like, no, that's just that's who he is, right? I mean, he's just going to be a nice, solid role player. There's other three stars that you look and say, boy, that guy is raw now and he may not ever do a thing, but boy, if that guy pans out, he's going to be really good. Those guys tend to have, you know, a ceiling that's like, we've said this before. Malachi Williams is not a guy that I would necessarily put in the top hundred right now, just because he's raw, but man, his ceiling is as high as any defensive end I've seen in his class. It's just, is he going to get to it or not? Is a little bit of a greater question than Keon Keeley. Keon Keeley is like, oh, yep, he's going to be pretty flipping good the minute he steps foot on campus. You know, that's really what it comes down to for me is the the biggest difference between the three star with the high ceiling is is simply the floor. That's the difference. It's whether it's a technical thing or a body thing or a you know, guy was overlooked. Who knows? But um, it just all these things. There's no absolutes in this, Tyler. There's none. So it just depends on the prospect we're talking about. But if a guy is a three-star with a five-star upside, he probably shouldn't be a three-star. That's the other part of it, if we're going to stick to this. to the, But I've done that before, Ryan. I've had a couple of kids that I gave. I remember Trevor Rulin. Remember him that played Notre Dame? Yes. Yep. He's a guy that I gave a, 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 a like a three-and-a-half-star grade to with a five-star upside because I said this kid is a phenomenal high school offensive lineman. I just don't know that it's going to – project to the next level as well because i had questions about his size ability to hold up and you know so there was a lot of projectability there well one of the issues that trevor had is he was a really quick explosive young lineman but as he got to 290 to 300 a lot and he had some injuries a lot of that quickness went away and he wasn't he was still a solid starter in his one year as a starter for notre dame but that's the reason that you grade a kid like that that way because I can't give him a five star grade because he's six foot three, two hundred and fifty pounds, right? I, you know, but man, the film was really impressive. So, but I'll give you the upside because if you can, you know, some kids can go from six three two fifty to six three three hundred and and be just as good. Some can't. Some can't go from two seventy five to three hundred and keep their athleticism. And that's why that's partly why I created the system that I have, because you got to be able to differentiate between what a kid is now and what a kid can be. And that system works for me. And, and so usually kids like that have some sort of major question mark about, and a lot of it usually has to do with size. Honestly, Ryan is when you're going to get that big of a difference, three-star, five-star ups, three-star player, five-star upside. It's usually because the kid's like a six, five, 200 pound defensive end. But you're like, this kid's so athletic and so long. He's got tons of skill, but he's 6'5", 200 pounds and doesn't know how to use his hands yet. I can't I can't name, make him a four-star or five-star player. But I'm going to tell you something right now. This kid goes to the right system with the right strength program. He's got really broad shoulders, long fingers, big feet. Like, you look at those kids say, that kid's going to develop. He could end up being a stud. But I just can't put him there now because he's so far away from being that. Where right. you look at Keon Keeling, you're like, that dude can play for me right now. Jason Moore can play for me right now, right? That's the difference. Where Bubakar Traore could end up being every bit as good as Jason Moore, if not better. He could. But there's a big gap between them right now. Yes. And that's why that ranking exists. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, let's get to, we got to get, we got to get, wrap this up. Got to get, a, uh, we'll get, a, try to get to most of these, but we're going to try to, we're going to have to hustle up and get some of these out of here, folks. I'm sorry. Patrick Earwood says, why does Notre Dame not recruit Alabama much at all? I just graduated from Thompson High School, and I was talking to the DB coach, and he said Notre Dame never comes down here. Well, it's not never, but it's not often. And honestly, it's because you've got to be smart about where your resources are going. You can't recruit everywhere. Yeah, and you'll you'll, um, you'll still hear them with the Cameron Pruitts and the KJ Lacy's and such. Yeah, But they got no traction with Cam Pruitt. None. Nope, zero. Yeah. They went down and saw Bradley Shaw. Yeah. But the reality is, is a couple things, Ryan, is is you know, the, the the school systems aren't as good. And so it's gonna make it harder to recruit some guys. You're gonna have a hard time getting some traction uh with a lot of those kids. And end of the day, even if you get one of those kids, what if Bama decides to come call in, in November? Right? There's always gonna be that fear too. So it's just about you're making a you're making a, a a decision based off a lot of factors that says it's just going to be harder for us to the time we'd have to spend in Alabama. You know, looking at it from if I'm the recruiting coordinator or the head coach, the time we'd have to spend in that state getting difference makers, yeah, is not necessarily worth the investment based on the likelihood that we get those kids and the likelihood we can keep them if Bama or Auburn or somebody else comes calling that that's, that's the reality of it. I also don't know how the school systems are in Alabama. I I don't know. It's not, it's not great. I mean, every school's different. Every state has like Mississippi will have some good high schools, but it's ranked as one of the near the bottom almost every year. And when it comes to the education, all the standards, right. Uh, Doesn't mean that there aren't some very good students there. Deuce Knight's one. Right. Doesn't mean that there aren't some high schools where that are really good. It just means overall it's a little harder. Like that was one of the challenges that we had recruiting Fort Wayne. Now, Indiana is known as a state that has a good academic system, but depends on which part of the state you're going to. If you're going into the city schools in Fort Wayne, I can tell you firsthand experience. I saw a lot of bad transcripts at that high school. A lot of bad transcripts. If I go over to uh, South Bend, Washington, I'm going to find some really bad transcripts. That's why. You you know, but I go out to Penn, and it's a little different deal, you yeah. know. And that's true of every state. States that are good and bad. There's always there's goods and bads, but some states there's just fewer kids that are that are going to fit. And Alabama is actually produces a lot of quality players per capita. It's actually one of the best. It's just you've got the big dog in that state, and if they want a kid, they're probably going to get them. And yeah. the schools that get those kids out are usually schools that it's going to cost you to get that kid to not go to Bama. And so there are just a lot of factors that go into it, in my opinion, that why, you know, it doesn't mean that they're afraid to go in there. It's just, you're going to be more selective with it. Yep. Like they are with, like you said, Cam Pruitt, KJ Lacey, guys like that. It's just, it's, it's a tough one. It's a tough sell. And they've looked at Justin, Justin Tuck was from Alabama, I believe. Jerry's Jackson was from Mississippi. I mean, they, they've had some guys there. It's just, it's going to be more of a anomaly than anything else. 
The next question from DLKALL01. DLKAL01. I don't know. DLKAL01. Notre Dame decided to go all in on Dante Moore and likely passed on Chris Vizina. Not true. Love Kenny Minchie, but Dante Moore and Vizina had strong springs. Did Notre Dame adjust their approach to recruiting quarterbacks so they land another CJ Carr in 2025? They did not pass on Chris Vizina. There was no, there was no, like, they this notion that he was going to commit to them and right. they said no. Now, did Notre Dame pass on Chris Vizina from the standpoint of once they got a silent commit from Dante, they stopped recruiting him? Sure. sure. But this note to Ryan's not take a commitment right. from Chris Vizina. They the didn't point. turn. Now, they did pass on Jackson Arnold, and I'm fine with that because honestly, I think Kenny Minch is a better player. I, I, I think Jackson Arnold severely overrated, but so different story for a different day. Uh, yeah. they didn't pass on him like he was going to commit tomorrow. And right. even at the time, was like, oh, he's going to visit and he's going to commit. I, I never bought that. I thought they, you know, th- could they have gotten Chris Vizina if they stayed on him? Potentially. Possible. Yeah. But possible. Clemson was always going to be very hard to beat. Always. Especially once they got CJ Carr was going to yeah. make, was going to make Notre Dame an uh, even tougher sell for them. So uh, I have no problem with their strategy last year. Once they got Kenny Minchie, I, I mean, Look, because you can't get a Dante Moore if you don't put – I'll say it again, Ryan. The only problem that I had with quarterback recruiting last year is that they – is the only criticism that I think is fair is that you didn't figure it out sooner. Yeah. That this fair. was that, – that, that the dad was going to be just a, a, an obstacle you couldn't overcome. Right? That's the only complaint that I have is the timing of when they moved on. But you know when they moved on from Dante? When they signed – when they got a commitment from a five-star and CJ Carr. And so, and, and look, they made a run at uh, Kenny Minchie at that time. Kenny just wanted to stay at Pitt. The other factor is too, is, you know, you, you, you look, you got to shoot for the stars. The quarterback's too important of a position. And the only way you're going to get those guys is if you let them feel like they're a priority. That's the only yes. way that you're going to do it. Yep. And they still recruited Chris Vizina, but again, when Dante commits to you, what are you supposed to do? Assume he's lying and recruit other players? I mean, that's the tough spot that you're in. And that's why I'd say the only complaint that I have is that maybe, it maybe, and this is hindsight 2020 stuff, maybe you should have figured it out a little bit sooner that that, that his dad was going to be a problem. So that that's all I would say. Yep. And, and, and in April, when he just would not come back to campus in April and May, that should have been your, like, okay, we we need to move on a little sooner, and read the actions, buddy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Next questions from Salty Virginia Peanuts says Texas has produced the most NFL talent, so recruiting it makes sense. But historically, how well have Texas kids done at Notre Dame compared to kids from other states? Done pretty well, actually. Uh, Notre Dame has had some obviously some great players from Texas. Uh, I mean, one that stands out to me is obviously Tim Brown. Yes, but. Um, <laughs> You know, they've, they've had some, they've had some, I mean, some positions are better than others, right? Bobby Taylor was from Texas. Too, Bobby right? Taylor's from Texas. Yeah. David, David yeah. Givens was from Texas. Uh, uh, Robin Weber, remember him? He's the guy that caught that pass against Alabama in the, I think it was the, the uh, Cotton Bowl, Orange Bowl, I forget which one it was, out of the end zone. Um, you've got uh, Mike Gandy was a really good player for them. Uh, on Burt Berry, uh, Capron Lewis-Moore, Cedric, Tillier, uh, Cedric Hilliard, Grant Irons. Uh, Jimmy Friday, Anthony Denman, uh, uh, Johnny Sanders, Vontez Duff, and Jerome Sapp. So that great 2002 secondary that Notre Dame had 
Remember that? Two of those guys were from Texas, uh, Jerome Sapp and uh, Vontez Duff. Greg Lane was a really good defensive back, multi-year starter. Uh, yesterday I was talking about how I couldn't remember who the starting cornerback was opposite of Tom Carter. And somebody in the chat later said it was Greg Lane. Well, Greg Lane was is was the right answer. He was from Texas. Tyreo Har- Harrison, somebody just put in there. Chris Stewart's another guy. Um, Alan Rossum is a guy from, from Texas. So they've actually had pretty good success from the state of Texas, Notre Dame has. Now, again, they haven't recruited a million players from Texas, but uh, guys they have were – and those are just guys from my era. I mean, if you read – Lou Samoji wrote an article about this a few years ago before he passed. And you know, he's got guys like Christy Flanagan at running back who played for Newt Rockney, you know, was a two-time All-American. I don't remember him. Uh, Corey, Coy McGee was a, a, a guy from Texas that came to Notre Dame. He was on Lou's list. That was back in the 40s. I don't remember him. But Lou <laughs> remembers all that stuff, you know, and he's got some guys. He's got uh, D- uh, Dave Huffman and Tim Huffman from Dallas in the 70s. They were two guys. Jordan Black's another one that was from there. I do remember him. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's got some. He's got some interesting guys on this list. A 1946 second team All American, George Strohmeyer was from there. That's one that that's from the article from Lou. I'm reading from Lou's article. Uh, so yeah, they've they've had some guys, man. They've had some good players from the state of Texas, and and have had success at Notre Dame. Corey Robinson recently was a guy. Tory Hunter, uh, Tory Hunter, and without Durham Smythe, Brock Wright. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they've had some. They've had good success from Texas. Guys have come in and been good football players. They've been good football players. And so, so a couple uh, pretty good ones in the spring from Texas at wide receiver as well. So, yep, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it's three from last year. So it uh, makes a lot of sense. And I mean, and Ohio State's made a killing in the state of Texas in the last yep. decade with skill players. I mean, uh, Mike Garrett, Garrett Wilson, yep. J.K. Dobbins, one-two punch is pretty good. Jack Smith and Jigba. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he's yep. your three. Yes. <laughs> In that conversation, so they, yeah, they, they technically of, signed Quinn Ewers as well. So that's right, <laughs> and we all knew how that one was going to end up. Yeah, good Call question, though, is, Salty. That's a good question about Texas because it's one thing to get kids from a state, but do those kids actually come to your state and pan out? That's a very important part of the conversation, Ryan. Very sure. important part. Call me Ty says, would you be opposed to Audrey estimate getting the old school bell cow roll eighty percent of the carries? Yes, I would. I would. I, I would. I, I've said this and I've said this for over a year. I don't. I Aldrick has to prove to me he can be a 50 snap, 20 plus carry guy. He, he wasn't that way last. He would he would wear down a little bit quicker. There's a long discussion in the chat about why that might be. I'm not diving into that. Medically, I have no clue what that could be. I just don't think it's a smart idea in today's game, especially the depth you have to have a running back taking 80 percent of your carries for a school like Notre Dame. I just some kids can do it. I just don't think you need to. Now, will though? Here's with the all deal: the talent coming back as well. So. Here's the deal, though, Ryan. That will there be some games where he's going to get eighty percent of my carries? Sure. If I need him to carry the ball ninety percent of the time when to beat Ohio State, then guess what? I'm going to make it sure he carries the ball ninety percent. But you know what? He's not going to do carry the ball twenty five times a week before against Central Michigan. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? Tennessee State, or right, exactly, right. Yeah. There, so there may be some individual games, call me Ty, that I would say you're you're going to ride him as much as you can, but over the course of the season, you've got to balance that out, in my opinion. That yep. that that's just what that's and and plus I want him fresh. I want him fresh November fourth to play Clemson. I don't want to wear him down by the time you get there. Yeah, yeah, just I don't want to do that. Next question from University of Southern Clowntown. 
Brian, I know you love the military. I stuff love that name, by the way. I love how you yeah, just like pass over that University of Southern Clown Town. That's phenomenal, uh, by the way. I was just, I was That's just making phenomenal. sure I read it correctly, man. Yes, Brian, I know you love the military stuff. Have you ever seen Terminal List or read any of the Jack Carr's books? So I have seen Terminal List. That's the one with Chris. Uh, what's the guy's name? Chris. Um, there's so many the different famous. The one that's from Guardians of the Galaxy. What's his last name? Oh, um, Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Uh, I have not read any of Jack Carr's books. So for those of you who don't know, Jack Carr is actually a former Navy SEAL who actually now writes books. Uh, my I, Now, I have bought a lot of Jack Carr's books because my mom likes that genre of book. She's a, a very uh, productive reader. She reads a lot. And so it's like, I'll buy her like five books. And a month later, she's like, uh, you got any more books? I'm like, seriously? You <laughs> How do you find t- you run a business? How do you find time to read all these books? K- Caitlin but, does the same stuff. She'll read a whole book in like a day and a half. And yeah. like, How do you do that, man? It's she gross. loves it, man. Um, <laughs> yeah. She says she loves Jack Carr's books. So I, I bought her all the books that he's written so far. And he's a pretty new author. He hasn't written a ton. But the Terminal List was I, – I enjoyed that. It was, I think it was on uh, Amazon Prime before I got rid of, got rid of Amazon Prime. But, yeah, he was uh, – his, she loves his books. I couldn't tell you because I haven't read them, but I thought Terminal List was really good. Really good. I was a big fan of that. Big fan of that. Next question from BM12310. Brian and Ryan, would you rather have an elite quarterback surrounded by a solid team or an average quarterback surrounded by an elite team? The second one. I'd rather me. the second one. I think Georgia yep. the last two years is a perfect example of that. I mean, yep. look, we've talked a lot about the team. I mean, think about the quarterbacks who've won a championship since 2010 when Brian Kelly arrived, right? Cam Newton, uh, Jameis Winston, Deshaun Watson, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, Mac Jones, elite college quarterbacks, right? Here's who else has won titles in that time. Cardell Jones, um... It's 12, Jacob, 12 gauge to you. 12 Jacob Coker. You. Yeah. Uh, AJ McCarron. Not a bad quarterback. I wouldn't call AJ McCarron average, but he wasn't great. Yeah, he was, plus, he was surrounded plus by great players. Yeah. Uh, Stetson Bennett. And I mean, a combination of Jalen Hurts and Tua Tungle Lowe's was pretty good, but Jalen Hurts wasn't an elite college quarterback. So it's not only, but what did those teams that won with those guys, what were they, Ryan? It loaded everywhere else. Yep. They were elite teams around that quarterback. Jacob yep. Coker played very well in the title game, but it was just yes. kind of like, don't screw it up. You know, and there's some <laughs> wide open, like they had OJ Howard came free twice. What Lane Kiffin made one of the best calls I've ever seen in that game. And I can't remember, I can't remember what exactly happened, but I remember it was one of the calls he made to get OJ Howard open. I was like, Oh, I love that call. Do you remember it? Ryan? I was like, I think it was the second half of the game. I have to go back and watch it again, but you know, you didn't win, but you weren't in that title game because of Jacob Coker. You were in that. Right. His, his job was to manage the offense. And that's basically all it was. And he did here. So, last two, Ryan, know. and we're going to wrap yep. this up for the, these last two questions. Cause we got to get running. Ben Tarnowski says, "Is if the ACC does lose teams and ends up being a lower level conference, where do you see Notre Dame's other teams going?" It's a fascinating question. It's a yeah. I mean, so it, it's a good. I don't really know the answer to that. Maybe the Big East. I mean, for some sports, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, they most of their sports could go to the Big East. I mean, hockey's going to stay in the Big Ten, but most of their sports could go to the Big East. 
they might join the Big Ten for all those other sports, to be honest with you. I could see that. So I think Big East and Big Ten would be most likely fits if the ACC for some reason. Part of it, too, is does the ACC go away? If they just lose two schools, that doesn't necessarily mean that the ACC is going to go away. They could go poach a couple AAC schools and Notre Dame decides they still want to be in it. But if, if like the ACC kind of basically goes away because they lose like five or six schools, sure, four to five, six schools, and yeah, they're going to find another home. Yeah, I think Big Ten and Big East wouldn't make the most sense at that point in time, Ryan. Yeah. And here's a, a two-part two, two question. Actually, a um, um, two-part two question from different people. Okay. And, and I think the second question was a follow-up. So the first one is Bailey Brad says, Ryan Day recruits haven't been great. And I believe Kyle Wade's comment was related to this, but he said 10 of 10 on the boldness scale, perhaps. This is a very intriguing topic and conversation. So Bailey Brad said, Ryan Day recruits haven't been great. I'll give my thoughts, and I'm very curious to hear what you have to say. Mm-hmm. I think Ryan Day's recruits have been really good. Here's the problem that I think we've seen from Ryan Day. They've recruited a lot of studs. They, um, He says cornerback recruiting is what he's saying too. But I think this is a bigger picture thing. I think it's true at corner and a lot of other positions. Ohio State has recruited a lot of highly ranked kids, a lot of very talented kids, and they've sent a lot of guys into the NFL in recent seasons. The problem is they haven't done a good enough job recruiting the offensive line. And I think the biggest problem that Ohio State has has to do with there's a culture that does not promote the toughness you need to be a champion. I think that right there is the biggest reason that Lincoln Riley and Ryan Day, who are two of the best offensive minds in the game, have zero titles. Because at the at the end of the day, in the games that have mattered most, the other teams have been tougher than you. And with Ryan Day, the further and further away he gets from Urban Meyer's tenure, the less physical and the less mentally tough those teams become. Because I don't think he's learned how to build that yet. Maybe he does. Guys can change. But that's been the biggest holdup for me. And we saw it again against Michigan this year. They got mentally and physically beat up by Michigan this year. Michigan doesn't have better players. They don't have better, better recruits. They have a better. They have a culture that is designed to beat Ohio State, and you, you've said this before. Michigan has built their program to beat Ohio State. Ohio State's building their program to try to beat Alabama and Georgia, and I don't think they're doing it the right way. Because as we saw last year, Georgia at the end of the day was just they they made a couple more plays in the trenches and with physicality and and the front seven beating Ohio State's offensive line than Ohio State made on the other side of the ball. That's the biggest thing for me. It's not that their their recruiting isn't good. It's just that, to me, they don't have the right culture and enough physical. Because I think physical toughness leads to mental toughness and vice versa. They kind of go together for me. You, How do you get mentally tough? It's through being really pushed physically and mentally in those areas. That's the biggest problem for me with Ohio State is just that lack of – they just that lack of a physical identity – and I'm sitting there watching the second half of this game against Ohio State, this against Michigan slash. I'm thinking, where's the fire? Where's the like? Who's pissed off for Ohio State right now that Michigan's running on them? Like they just, it's like they were going through the motions. I mean, you've been building up this entire year towards this game because of how disrespectful Michigan was to you after the fact, and they clowned you for a whole year. They talked trash about you. They they made fun of you, 
and this is the effort we see going into this game. This is how you respond to when Michigan punches you in the mouth. Really? This is who your team is, huh? Interesting. Okay. You can blame your assistant coaches or your players, right? But this is a you problem, cuz this is a you problem. And and until he f- figures out an answer to that, that's what the thing that I think is going to keep Ohio State from being a, a, a team that can compete for chance. Now, look, they've been close. They were close in 2020. They lost in the title game. They were close last year. But at the end of the day, I just don't think they have the mental and physical toughness to knew it to do it, in my opinion. And until he can fix that, they're going to always fall short for some reason or another, in my opinion, Ryan. Because it's not a lack of talent at all. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not. I mean, I, I I agree. I think the one spot that they have not recruited well enough, though, is offensive line. That's a spot agree. that just says they've had some misses, man. I mean, it's like, okay, Josh Fryer and whoever else isn't playing that well in the spring. Let's find the next guy we recruited. Oh, wait, we don't really have that guy in the pipeline right. at the moment. <laughs> like right. That's a problem. That's a problem. But, I mean, defensively, they've recruited some talented dudes. I mean, think about JT and Jack Sawyer and – and the corner, I mean, Denzel Burke is a talented kid. It's not about ta- lack of talent yeah. with the Denzel Burke. It's just, for whatever reason, they haven't been developed properly. So I, I just, right. I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm interested to see what the second year under Jim Knowles looks like, for one, just to see if mm-hmm. that instills anything. Because we have talked about second year under Jim Knowles is usually a lot better than the first year. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we'll see. I do think Justin Fry is a really good offensive line coach. So hopefully that takes a step forward just very odd i mean i, I think mm-hmm. that that does trickle from the way down though like per, a team takes on a personality of their head coach a lot right mm-hmm. and maybe that's just not a maybe, i'm gonna say it this way because i don't think ryan day is a bad coach i think ryan day is a good coach but maybe ryan day is also a better offensive coordinator than he is a head coach that's bingo it's possible right right that's why i think him and urban were such a dynamic combination because urban could set the culture set the toughness set the way they're going to practice and then ryan day can just go call plays and be really good and really dynamic so that's going to do it we did have a super chat from nathan milton first questions john a1 see you next week buddy so thank you nathan (laughs) for that thanks everybody for questions i know we didn't get to get a chance to get to all of them uh but we got a ton of ton of great questions everybody i want to thank all of you all for being with us this week hey ryan just in case some things happen this weekend. Good luck. Uh, if you. not, we'll obviously see you again on Monday uh, before everything happens. But um, just want to thank you all very much. Have a safe weekend, everybody, okay? And then on Monday, it's obviously Memorial Day weekend. Uh, for all of you who have had family members that have served uh, and, and, and who are no longer with us, whether they lost their lives in combat or like my grandfather, were fortunate enough to come home but are now no longer with us, uh, just remember the the fact that we can sit here and talk football in a free country still as of today we're still a free country um it's because of their sacrifice i didn't have to fight they fought my place and they gave the ultimate sacrifice so that we can live in my opinion the greatest the most free country that humanity has ever known and so all of you serving now thank you for your service But of course, Memorial Day is more to remember those who are no longer with us. And to them and their families, we thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart uh, for your sacrifice and for uh, what you've given up so that we can be free and do fun things like talk football and not have to worry about a lot of things that people around the country have to around the world have to worry about because they don't live in our country. So thank you for your service. You all have an amazing weekend. We will be back with you. We will have a recorded show. 
potentially a recorded show on Monday. We'll see. Going to depend on what's going on with that guy. We'll, we'll have to figure it out. But I'll definitely be back on Tuesday. Vince and I are going to be together on Tuesday. And we're going to kick off sort of our 2023 team um, sort of breakdown position by position. And we're going to kick things off, Ryan. You know where we're starting things, man. We're starting with the quarterbacks. So we'll definitely be back then. Start have an awesome weekend, everybody. And we'll talk to you again very soon on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.